Bill and Ted from Bill and Ted Face the Music. Sometimes things don't make sense until the end of the story. Greetings, and welcome to another excellent and most luminous episode of Nerd Out Podcast. I am Jen Jennifer Elspears I, and I'm joined as always by two most resplendent humans, the bodacious Sandy Sandro Felcher Sr. How you going, dude? It is the highest honour to be here on the podcast. <laughs> Good to hear it. Good to hear it, dude. And of course, the non-non-non-non-triumphant Robbie Robert Lloyd Yolen Jr. What's happening, dude? Um, I am indeed <laughs> present and uh, and most non-bogus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, so glad to hear it. That is very grouse. <laughs> Well, by now you should have guessed what we're talking about today. That's right. We watched Bill and Ted Face the Music. And if you hadn't guessed, well, I suggest you pause the podcast, <laughs> go and watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, then come back most swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> Before we talk about the latest and final chapter of the Bill and Ted story, however, I'm going to get straight into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a most non-heinous question. No small talk. No small talk. Wow. No no. No jibber-jabber, We're getting just into straight it. into it. We've got it. a lot to talk about today. Wow. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got as little time as Bill and Ted had to write their first history <laughs> presentation. <laughs> uh, I have a, a, a question to ask you both. It's a question Ooh. that if you hopped in a telephone booth and travelled through time, you would hear it being asked throughout, throughout history. Mm-hmm. That question is... What have you been consuming lately? Mm. I'm going to ask you, Sandro. What a what a most excellent <laughs> question. I'm going to be using these adjectives all episodes to so strap in. Uh, oh, also it's episode 50. I'm Woo, very... We did it. Oh, we did my it. goodness. That's most excellent. That is righteous. That is non-bogus. <laughs> non-bogus is my new favourite word. Most <laughs> luminous. Happy 50. Oh, sorry. I skipped the small talk because I know we have a lot to talk about, but we're just going to pause and congratulations. Well, oh, congratulations to all of us, yeah. Happy, yeah, fi- yeah, yeah. happy 50. I feel, I don't feel 50. This is great. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long year in lockdown. I'm feeling at least uh, 50. <laughs> well, yeah, that's awesome. Um, 50 episodes. Well done, us. All right. All right. We did it. And yeah. more to come. Here's yes. one now. What have I been consuming Let's lately? jump back in. <laughs> we'll, we'll jump back in. We took Into a the little present. break out. Caught our breath. Now we're just diving back in. Yeah. Uh, I finished The Outsider. I, there's nothing to add. Two thumbs up. It's great. There were still <laughs> twists in the end, which I feel like is rare for a Stephen King book. Usually the mm. final hundred pages play out exactly how you'd expect them to. Yeah. I know I messaged uh, you about this, Jen, but the, the thing that I love so much about Stephen King is that in most cases, yeah, like the final uh, 50 pages of a King novel is usually for the movie adaptation about... Uh, the final half hour, the final yeah. act. Um, and and th- that's just something I really like about his style. He's just like, I'm not going to drag the ending out. It's not going to be really dramatic or anything. It's just it's just exactly what you think is going to happen just to get it over with, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah, right. I like that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and now I'm currently reading Lovecraft Country, but I'll talk more about that next week, I think, because uh, I'm still very early in that. I did watch the first hour of a movie called Sputnik, uh, oh. A Russian sci-fi horror that just dropped on VOD that a lot of people were talking about, and I quite like 
Russian sci-fis. The problem with this one is it's got the same issues with every Russian sci-fi, which is it looks amazing. The visuals are fantastic. I mm. This film wasn't particularly expensive, but the great thing about Russian sci-fi is from the smaller budget ones like this to the massive like world ending, it probably took them a, a year to render out a certain scene of yeah. special effects. That They all look amazing. But mm. the, the story is just a cheap knockoff of... I- another pretty by-the-books one. There was this Russian movie I saw a couple months ago, can't remember the name of it, but it was basically just Independence Day, but it looked amazing. <laughs> like It looked incredible, but the story was absolutely nothing new. And unfortunately, right. that that's the same as Sputnik. Is it in, like an invasion? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's set in the 80s, I think, maybe the 70s. Uh, some uh, cosmonauts return to Earth... Uh, and one of them may be infected with ah. this alien that comes out with every now and then uh-huh. and, and says hi. And like, vomits up an alien, and the alien's oh. like, how's it hey. going? <laughs> hey and dudes. then it goes back inside. And yeah. every now and then alien. You're joking. Is that actually what happens? Uh, it it doesn't talk, but yeah, pr- pr- pretty much, pretty much. Pretty much, oh, okay. It's a lot of boardrooms, it's a lot of interrogation rooms, right. it's a lot of how do you feel today person with an alien inside them. I'm good. Um, I don't know there's an alien inside me, so thanks for asking. I'm uh, I'm doing good. <laughs> what alien? So yeah. It's a lot of that stuff, yeah, okay. which we've seen before, but it looks incredible. Cool. So, I don't know. I think I'd give it a schmear. You'd say you only watched an hour of it, though? Yeah, I only saw the, the, the first hour, and then I think I fell asleep. Oh, that's a good sign. Great sign. <laughs> Uh, the main thing I wanted to talk about was Avenue 5. Ah, yes. I saw all nine episodes over the last week. Uh, nice. a- Avenue 5 is on HBO. It's the new, uh, kind of like a, it's not a sitcom, but it is like a sci-fi black comedy show from Armando Iwanucci, who I am a big fan Iwanucci, of. Iwanucci, yeah. Uh, who did David Copperfield, which I talked about last year. He did The Death of Stalin, which is excellent. And then also The Thick of It with Peter Capaldi, which is a fantastic uh, political satire. Yep. I think it's a satire. Yeah. And he got his big break on a show that I used to love, a cult series called The Day Today, which was the introduction of Alan Partridge. He was uh, one of the writers and, and, and performers on that with Christopher Morris and um, um, uh, Steve Coogan. So, yeah, he's a, yeah he is um, comedy pedigree to the extreme. Yes. Hundred uh, percent. He's got a very uh, distinct style, which was prevalent in David Copperfield, but not as much as I, not necessarily wanted, because it like I really enjoyed that movie, but I was expecting it to be a little bit more chaotic. Like a lot of characters talking at the same time is very much what he does, and a lot of his stuff. It's just constant, just throwing jokes at you and insults, and people just yelling over the top of each other. It's very much his style of comedy, and that is what The Death of Stalin was, but mm. not so much Copperfield, and this is a return to that. So if you haven't seen the thick of it, but you like his his two movies, check this out, because it is fantastic. So it is Hugh Laurie. Uh, he is the captain of a uh, spaceship. It's, that's actually a cruise ship. It's called Avenue 5, and a disaster happens, and they're slightly knocked off course, which causes their journey um, to become much longer than any of the passengers anticipated. And uh. and so you've got Hugh Laurie as this captain who 
is British, but he's pretending to be American, which is <laughs> fantastic because that's, you know, Americans used to think Hugh Laurie was American. I was going to say, that's house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got that happening. Uh, Josh Gad is the owner of this of this company. Uh, what's mm-hmm. his character's name? Herman Judd. Great name. He is a billionaire and and he and he owns the company and he's on this voyage and just just gotta say it i look josh gad haven't been a big fan of his i think he's a funny person i love i think he's a nice person but i i just don't like anything he's been in aside from this i think he's fantastic in this i think he finally has a role where he can be charming but incredibly unlikable but also funny like, in everything I see him in, he's always unlikable. I'm always like, I don't really like the character you're playing right now, but it's always more on the annoying side, whereas I think he gets yeah, the okay. charmingness quite well in this. Right. Um, he does the annoying thing well, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He did... Um... He did a he did a great online series for the you know in the early days of uh, lockdown. Um, yeah. Reunited apart on YouTube, which was um, yeah, which you know reunited the cast of all those classic eighties uh, films. I think I mentioned it before. Like he did um, Goonies, he did Back to the Future, yeah. he did Splash, um, Ghostbusters, um, and his best one was the Lord of the Rings one. I know not technically yeah. an eighties film. But yeah, he had a great <laughs> energy and he was a very a sincere, host. yeah, sincere enthusiasm about it all, um, uh, which which sort of like endeared him to me quite a lot. So yeah, yeah. I think the most um, likable parts that I've liked him in have been his voice acting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, his yeah, voice yeah. in obviously Olaf in Frozen. I haven't seen him in um, actually in Book of Mormon, but he's Cunningham. Um, and also his, uh, he plays the narrator in Central Park, the new um, oh, yes. the animation by the same people as Bob's Burgers. Bob's and he's, Burgers, yeah. he's just got that mm. voice that's so recognisable. Um, he yeah. does play the same kind of character in that. Um, but, yeah, everything I've, I've liked him the most has been in animation. Yeah, um, yeah. Mainly. He was pretty good in uh, Little Monsters, which was an Australian zombie film from last year where he plays... That's right, yeah. Yeah, he plays a an alcoholic womanising wow. children's TV personality, and he was okay. fantastic in that. He was very funny. He was good in... Be- I think he was good in Beauty and the Beast. Like, he did a different take on LeFou, which was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I get what you mean, absolutely. Um, he, he, he plays that particular trope quite well that mm. annoying kind of sidekicky kind of vibe mm. yeah yeah, yeah. It's just good to hear that he's done something a little different yeah he's got um Susie Nakamura I think is is her name she, she plays his like assistant who he relies a lot on whenever because her character's name is Iris and whenever something happens that he doesn't like he just goes Iris and it's very funny every <laughs> single time it was excellent uh, so that was great uh, Zach Woods is also in it from Silicon Valley big fan of him it's good to see him in another show where he gets to play another sad and lonely character just like in Silicon Valley. And um, I think probably the biggest standout for me was Lenora Critchlow plays a character called Billy, and she's excellent. I, I don't think I've seen her in anything else. I'm going through her uh, filmography now, and it's mainly uh, sitcoms and also the Morbius movie with Jared Leto. So that's... <laughs> um, and then there's also a bunch of, a bunch of familiar names from the... Th- of it as well so yeah i think it's phenomenal i it's one of my favorite shows of the year probably in the top 
three easily. I think it's incredible. It's nine episodes long. Uh, it flows really well. I watched it over the course of three days, so three episodes a night, which is about an hour and a half a night, which I think is good because each episode is so fast-paced that you do feel like you're having a little bit of, of an anxiety attack for the entire time that you're watching it <laughs> because it's so, it's so ridiculously fast-paced and, and uh, just tense, but also very funny. Very clever. Again, Hugh Laurie, fantastic. I'm so glad that he's doing more comedy stuff as well. He kind of took a short break, I feel, after House, which is fair enough considering how many episodes he did of that in the space of like seven years. How long did House? Yeah, go and it, well, he did. He did. He did. You know, take that fame and went. You know what? You know, because he's you know classically trained. Um, you know, jazz enthusiast piano player that, you know, mm. and so he just went, you know what, I'm taking this fame and I'm just going to tour with my jazz band and release an album <laughs> and tour all around America, which he did. So yeah. he just went, yeah. I'm just going to go down my vanity project for a little bit. And now he's gone, okay, okay, I've got that out of my system. Now let's go back to what I, you know, what I do really well. He does dramatic work really well, but you know, yes. he, he will yeah. always be, you know, um, mm. You know, uh, King George, or uh, yeah, in from Blackadder and stuff like that. So he he's got to let that go mm. and let it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's really interesting because he was he played he was a character in Veep, and uh, uh, and Mando Inucci started Veep, and he was there for the first couple of seasons, and then Inucci left, and they carried on without him. But I'm not sure whether Hugh Laurie joined before or after Inucci had left Veep. I'm not sure. Uh, it says he was on from 2015 to 2019, so the last three seasons. Yeah, which I think was yeah after. I think that's just left. after Iannucci left. Yeah. Yeah, I need to catch up on Veep. I haven't seen any of the stuff that he's in. I've heard excellent things about the final seasons, though. I... Yeah, I've missed the last two seasons. I, I used to watch it religiously, and I haven't uh, caught the final final two years. Um, but yes, to wrap up Avenue 5 review, it's phenomenal. I love it. It's very funny. Nine episodes is a great length because uh, I like short seasons. Stop doing long seasons, shows. <laughs> too long. 22 episodes, get out of here. Nine episodes, that's good Good work. Uh, so yeah, two thumbs up. Avenue 5, I love it. Just watch it. Top three shows of the year so far, I reckon. Probably one of the funniest shows. Can't wait to see more. Check it out, Avenue 5. I'm going to throw it over to Rob. What have you been consuming lately? Um, I have not only been consuming, I have binged. I have gorged myself. I am <laughs> in my quarantine excess weight from watching all in two days, season one and two of Cobra Kai. Wow. Oh my God. For those of you that don't know, Cobra Kai is the much-anticipated, long-awaited sequel series to The Karate Kid. And, oh my God, it is everything that you want it to be. It is, for me, it is one of the best, um, uh, you know, reboot, sequel type of things that have ridden that nostalgia wave and find that perfect balance between paying tribute to the nostalgia, but evolving the story on and, you know, bringing in the next generation of uh, characters and storyline and balancing it really well. It is fantastic. Um, I highly recommend it. Even if you know a little bit of um, uh, uh, the Karate Kid films and this, like, deals... It is so well done. It is a beautiful balance of drama and self-aware comedy that isn't meta. It's self-aware, which I really think is clever. Meta comedy mm. can be a bit um, clumsy, especially in um, 
uh, um, uh, so like TV shows and movies and stuff like that. But being self-aware is a really lovely balance here with the comedy, the drama, uh, the martial arts and uh, riding the nostalgia wave. And they deal with everything, mm. like all three. Like a lot of people forget Karate Kid 2 and 3. No, they claim it all. Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3 is claimed. They haven't done Karate Kid 4, the next generation, Hilary Swank, yet, mm. yet, yet. I feel yet. like they might. I feel like there's an audience for some Swank. Yeah. <laughs> there's some, yeah, we can put her in our Swank bank. Um, oh, oh you no, you went there. Thank you very much. I went there. Um, um, and we talked about Hilary Swank last week. She was in Insomnia. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's really good. So for those of you that don't know, it's um, set... Uh, 30 years after the events of um, the Karate Kid films uh, where uh, Johnny Lawrence, who we all know as um, the bad guy in the first film, um, the last time we see him is being almost strangled to death by his uh, sensei before he is saved by uh, Mr. Miyagi at the start of Karate Kid 2. And um, and we find him is in a bit of a slump, you know. He's... Um, he's uh, doing odd jobs here and there he's lost his job he's kind of not really paying his rent he lives in a dingy part of the valley in uh, LA um, in Reseda and he's like really struggling he excessively drinks he doesn't eat well he's lost his way Um, uh, and always haunting him is the big billboards and big signs of um, Daniel LaRusso who's got his own car dealership and is quite successful and he's a bit of a celebrity within the valley uh, community for you know winning um, the, the All Valley Karate Kid tournament um, uh, two years in a row in eighty four and eighty five. Um, so uh, so yeah, and it's it's what has happened to these characters in the thirty years since we last saw them. And the best thing about the show in the movies, it's kind of there's uh, black and white with a with a slight um, shading of grey, but this series brings in all the grey that you 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 feel for Johnny Lawrence. You get annoyed by Daniel Larusso. They struggle with their inner demons and their the the, the tox, toxic masculinity that they're being raised and how they try and move on from that. But they're their own worst enemies. Um, the new generation of 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 Karate Kids coming in. Cobra Kai resurging and all this type of stuff. And, you know, Miyagi-Do karate is, you know, Daniel Lawrence still feels that within him. The lessons of Mr. Miyagi are still prevalent. I, When I first heard about it, I thought it was going to be all from Johnny Lawrence's point of view and kind of Daniel LaRusso would be a, a, a character in the background. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that within an episode or two, it is a perfectly balanced series about what these characters have done, where they've gone, and um, how they're their own worst enemies. And it's just incredible. It's I, I said this to Sandra. I've said it to anyone who listens. It's what you know. I'm not the biggest fan of the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Um, for me, this is what the Star Wars sequel trilogy should have been. That perfect, that well constructed, constructed story arc. And that perfect balance of riding the nostalgia wave, being true to the characters, but also bringing in a really interesting um, new generation and balancing it perfectly. Two seasons down, you can just power through it. Season three has been filmed. Um, it uh, it was originally on um, YouTube 
premium series one and two, but see, mm-hmm. but YouTube didn't pick up season three. So there's been a bit of a delay because they've been trying to find a new um, uh, streaming service to, to show it on Netflix finally picked them up, which they were really, that was what they wanted first, but um, only YouTube would take them. But now they're on Netflix and, and they've got this new resurgence of people watching it. Like, um, uh, in my other job where I'm a teacher, I'm sort of like at the start of each lesson when I'm online, I ask the kids, um, what are they watching at the moment? What are they listening to? What are they reading? Um, and I had the class on Monday and I said to the kids, what did you do over the weekend? I said, I did some drawing and I watched, um, uh, Cobra Kai. And I've been doing this for the last couple of lessons and the kids haven't really been responding. But as soon as I mentioned Cobra Kai, oh my gosh, <laughs> so many of the kids are going, I'm halfway through watching that. I'm watching that. Yes. I'm going, have you watched the original? Go, yeah, we watched the original. We go, this is great. <laughs> You're like, I nailed it. <laughs> yes. I finally made I'm finally the cool it. teacher. <laughs> and then I ruined it by saying I'm the cool teacher. Um, so, I'm the cool teacher. I'm the cool teacher. <laughs> um, and... So um, uh, Ralph Macchio as back is as back as Dan, uh, Daniel Larusso. William Zabka is back as Johnny Lawrence, who's who's been working as a filmmaker and a writer and doing cameos. He had a famous cameo in season in the final season of How I Met Your Mother. Any of you who are How I Met Your Mother fans would know that um, uh, um, um, Doogie Howser's character Barney in that his favorite movie was Karate Kid. But he thought that Johnny Lawrence was the hero, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> the classic Barney story. Um, and so he had a, a, a reoccurring bit part in the final season of that. So he's he's ridden that wave of nostalgia and owned it, owned Johnny Lawrence like a badge of honor. And so this is sort of like um, you know he's getting what he deserves for all his hard work. He finally gets some recognition and a series um, that pays tribute to his character but also respects the the world that they created um so many regular you know the um so many flashbacks to to the original series you've got Mm. mentions of um there's a lot of loving tribute to um to pat marita who sadly passed away in 2011 um and yes so much reoccurring characters i can't give too much away for spoilers um but there's a lot of deep cuts deep deep cuts like there's a there's a mention in um the second season of something that happens and i went oh right um that that didn't happen but they went oh my god yeah that did happen that was a relation to the third movie (laughs) so it's it's two thumbs up for me it is Outstanding! It ends on a massive cliffhanger, uh, incredible cliffhanger, and I think we're not getting season three on Netflix till like next year, from what I've heard. Yeah, it's saying twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 wonderful, and they're only like 30, 35 minute episodes each. Um, the final episode of season one goes a little bit longer, and the final episode of season two goes a little bit longer. But you can just power through it, and they're like about ten or twelve episodes a season. Um, uh, yeah, you can power through it. They're so beautifully written, densely paced, and um, uh, yeah, the it's it's a great balance. The the, the teenage kids are great. Uh, they're not annoying at all. There's ones you root for. There's and there are some fantastic Doctor Who references. There is a there's a Doctor Who there's a Doctor Who passing reference in season one, and there is a deep dive Doctor Who conversation 
in season two that I'm there going, mm. I can't believe this is happening. Is this really happening? They're actually, and they, and they get, like, as a nerd, you're there going, yep, they got that quote, yep, they got that right, yep, they, oh my gosh, okay. They, they have passed the nerd checklist. So two yes. thumbs up. Check it out, Cobra Kai. Do yourself a favor. If you want to, please do watch the first three films to inspire you. I want to go back and watch them now. I've only got the first one. Um, and, uh, yeah, it might you know be like the David Filoni effect of it'll make you realize yeah. how cool um, the second and third one was. I remember liking Karate Kid 2. Karate Kid 2 was pretty cool going back I... to Okinawa. I, I remember liking two. I don't think I've seen three. We did Next Karate Kid on Oldie But A Goodie last year, and when <laughs> we did that, I realized that I don't think I've seen three, so I should go back to it before Look, I... Look, yeah, three's a bit dark. Three's really dark, and it pushes things out of that 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 zone of what Karate Kid's meant to be. Two's a little bit a little bit still within the circle, but three, they push it a, a lot darker and you go, Oh, I don't know if that works or not. Um, but mm. yeah, it's, um, it, it's a great show. You don't need to have seen them. You can kind of, if mm. you kind of vaguely know, um, yeah, okay. uh, but yeah, it's just yeah. wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I know Sandro's seen it. I'm not sure where he's up to with it, but, um, I saw the first season when it was on YouTube. Um, so, probably three years ago now was when I saw the first season. So I should, should rewatch it before catching up. But yeah, I, I saw it with my sister who I think has seen the first one, but it must have been like 10 something years ago and she still yeah. enjoyed it a lot. So it, it definitely okay, works cool. as a standalone. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cause like, I know, like I know all the tropes and all the memes and all the, you know, I know number one without probably having to rewatch it, but I would, I'm the kind of person that likes to do my homework before I watch mm. Uh, not a remake, but like a, what's the word I want? Like sequel, like a, a resurgent, yeah. I guess is the word yeah, I yeah. want. Yeah. So that I can get those references. Yeah. Um, otherwise I feel a bit like it's going over my head. So I probably will re- watch all three before I. Yeah. I think it's a good idea, especially the, f- the, f- the first one, especially. And the second one, you, they're, they're going to, they're easy watches and they're just so okay, good. Cool. I mean, Pat Morita is just. Mm. outstanding and it's really weird like he made he he made that series you know especially with the you know next generation when they brought in hillary swank it wouldn't be made without miyagi um mm. yeah and the and yeah the reason why the other karate kid didn't work was well jaden smith can't act but also if jackie chan just didn't have that same energy um yeah pat marita was just such a a, a powerful reason why that show that those movies work so well and so despite mm. the fact he's not around they honor him and you, you there's not a, a shadow cast there's an honor for him and they still keep the show going like you watch you watch um rise of skywalker and it it there's a gaping hole missing and that is carrie fisher but um but in this they they it, it's not you know there's not a shadow cast you miss them but they're honored within it so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So, yeah, what about you, Jen? What have you been consuming lately? Uh, in the last week since we last spoke, um, just a couple of things. So, uh, I'm watching a lot of ice hockey. It's um, playoffs at the moment for the NHL. So, um, there's like two or three games on a day. So, we've been watching pretty much all of those, um, keeping up with those because we've got some sport to watch. So, we're just like grabbing onto what we can. Two weeks for, till the NFL starts. I'm very excited. Um, as well as the Hard Knocks uh, series is back on 
um, and uh, NFL. You can watch it through their subscription. I'm not sure how else you can watch it. We've got a subscription. Um, Hard Knocks basically each year they focus on a, a club um, and they follow them through training camp and the rookies to see if they make the team and who gets cut and who gets, you know, who's negotiating contracts and just kind of like behind the scenes of getting ready for a, a football season. Um, this year they're looking at uh, the LA team, so the Chargers and the Rams. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, I'm more interested this year just seeing how their teams are doing training camp um, under, you know, COVID basically. So um, how things are different and how they're coping and things like that. So watching that as well, um, I've been playing a bit of Mario Kart recently. <laughs> <laughs> our neighbor, um, so our neighbours just bought, both bought, each other, bought themselves a Switch each um, and they've been playing online with some friends and um, we they were like, hey, let's play Mario Kart together one night through online, not together, um, through the wall. Um, so we did that the other night and I've been hooked and been like practicing every day because I haven't played in like three years and I'm terrible. Um, so the last few days I've pretty much been just like getting a few three hour sessions of Mario Kart in, nice. which is fun. Um, but what I wanted, what I finally finished and wanted to talk about, I've been, um, watching it for the last few months, but only just finished it, um, is Shit's Creek yes. on Netflix. Nice. Most people will have heard it or seen the memes, which is how I was introduced to it. I just keep seeing memes everywhere and quotes um, by Catherine O'Hara's character, Moira. And I was like, <laughs> what is this show? Like, it looks dumb. I'll, I'll watch it. Um, and I watched, I binged all until midway through the last season, season six, and then I stopped. And I hadn't watched it in about three weeks because I just didn't want it to end. Mm. Like, I just was like, no, I need to ration out the last half of the season because I know that it finishes at season six. They're not doing any more. I don't want this to end. So that's, a, that, you know, that's a good sign for you all. That's a great sign. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it came out in 2015. Um, it's uh, – if oh, I better give you a rundown for those who you don't know. Um, it is – uh, written and produced by Eugene Levy. Um, you would know him. I remember him from American Pie. <laughs> dad. <laughs> but he's also done a bunch of other stuff. Um, and he's a bunch. I can't <laughs> even get into it. It's too much. So yeah. Look him up. Yes. So you all, if, you, if you don't know who Eugene Levy is, then you need to. So look him up and go and watch a bunch of his stuff. Um, but it's also his son. His son, Dan Levy, is also... he. Um, he's basically the... He, it was his idea. Um, it's, he's the executive producer along with his dad. Um, and his sister as well is also in it as yeah. one of the characters. So it's a family affair um, and it, that adds to the beauty of it. Um, the basic, it's a comedy. It's about a rich um, family. They um, made their money off video, uh, video game... Uh, video store so like your blockbuster so to speak um the rose video um and their uh, business manager accountant um screws them over and they lose all of their money and we're talking like multi-millionaires mm. um the only thing that he leaves them with is uh this town the the ownership of a town called Shits creek that um mr rose eugene levy johnny rose bought for his son david rose played by dan levy very sweet um, bought him as a joke for his birthday. Um, I think it was his 20th, uh, 18th birthday or one of these you know, milestone birthdays. Bought it as a joke. You own this town called Shits Creek. So the, the manager leaves them with this one town so they own it, so they move. So it's basically like you, instead of your rags to riches, it's your riches to rags story. Um, and they all go and live in the motel um, for free in this town. And it's all about, you know, them, this rich hoity-toity family getting used to the is it is life. it like that movie with what is it Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker? I I'm gonna say no. That sounds <laughs> awful. That sounds <laughs> so, terrible. 
Did you hear about the Morgans? <laughs> Did you are. hear about the Morgans? That's it. Oh, Thank God. you, Sandro. Twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It looks <laughs> yeah. terrible. And I mean, like you tell you you tell someone that that's what this show's about, and they go, "Oh yeah, we've seen that one before." But and the first couple episodes, I was like, "Okay, this is funny," but I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it. Like, I don't know what the obsession is with it, um, because I'm like, this could get old. This like them treating everyone like shit but then being really super nice and it being like ew oh my god everything's gross I live in a motel I'm so rich <laughs> but what they do and how those the characters progress it's just I can't even describe it I don't even want to get into it too much because I think everyone should should experience it um, and I've recommended it to two people since I've watched it that just didn't know what to watch next I was like do shit's creep believe me and they've been like, I've been shit in a week. <laughs> um, the characters are just beautiful. Obviously, the performances. You've got Eugene Levy playing the patriarch, Johnny Rose. You've got Catherine, Catherine O'Hara. You would know, I know from Home Alone. <laughs> um, as the mum. She plays Moira Rose, with who has a amazing collection <laughs> of wigs, all with names. And this cannot even begin to describe her accent. Um, she's a, a, I guess you could say, washed up actress, daytime actress, from a, um, a TV show called uh, Sunrise Bay. <laughs> yes, Sunrise um, Bay. Think like Home and Away mixed with passions kind of vibe. Um, you've got David Rose, the son, played by Dan Levy, Annie Murphy, who's uh, I believe it's her debut performance in terms of something this of this size. She plays Alexis Rose, who's your um, tweeting, Instagramming, you know, have never worked a day in her life kind of uh, millennial. Um, you've also got Chris Elliott who plays Roland Shit. He's the mayor of, of, of Shit's Creek who is frustrating and hilarious and you hate him and you love him and he's just amazing. Um, and you've got just a bunch of other like incredible characters, um, that start off as minor characters and then become more major characters. And, um, you learn to literally like love every single character, um, yeah, it came out in 2015 and it was quite small um, and it was pretty low budget. They pretty much financed it themselves and then it just exploded. Um, yeah. And now it's this huge phenomenon um, and it, like, granted, it's I can, it's just, yeah, I can't even describe it. Like, it, you really have to experience it to, to, under, to understand why it has, has got that following that it does. And I wouldn't even call it a cult following anymore. It's, it's gone beyond that. Yeah, um, I don't think so. No, it definitely was when I started watching it, but over the past two years, it's it's just blown up. It's massive now. Yeah, yeah. they're they're doing like live show tours. Well, they were. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's so massive. they've um released an, an extra episode, um, which is basically like a, the story of um behind the scenes kind of episode, one hour special, and it's goes through that, and it's just so beautiful because the people that created it just did it with their heart like they weren't doing it for the money they just wanted to tell this story about this family and now people are connecting with it um and i spent most of the series and that episode in tears um <laughs> laughter like heartbreak like sadness everything it's just beautiful um it just the world that it creates and they, they made it um they talked about it in the in the sort of behind the scenes about um the different especially it's it's really big in the queer community um, because of some of uh, some of the characters in it, a lot of the queer characters, they're not the tokenistic queer character that you see, the friend or the 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 gay guy who's struggling and he's going through all this hardship and his family have to accept him. And the, the way they put it is that they Shit's Creek, or the universe and the world of Shit's Creek, is a world in which there is no homophobia. And it's not a statement. They're not saying, look, 
no hurt like it's not it's not thrown in your face it's just like this is this is the world that it could be it could be yeah Mm. this is what it could be and it's amazing and you know i didn't even realize until they said it i went oh yeah there's no moment where anyone has to there's a little hint of it where there has to be a difficult conversation um for a character who's just come out but then it's it's not and uh, the way that they introduce Dan Levy's character, um, David Rose's pansexuality, is with an incredible analogy of um, red, white, and rosé wines. <laughs> he basically <laughs> says, you know, sometimes I like red wine and sometimes I like white wine and sometimes I like a rosé. And his quote that's become a, almost a battle cry is, uh, I, um, I'm into the wine, not the label. And so that's a really, like, an example of just how they approach, every, how they approach everything in this show. Um, it's very, very clever, very, very funny. Um, I've spoken to a few people who have been like, oh, yeah, but Moira, I hated Moira. She's so annoying. I was like, I loved her. So, like, uh, yeah, it, it, you don't love every character all the time, but you don't, yeah, it's really hard to explain. And I, I find that with everyone that I talk to, they're like, I just love it. I don't know why. I just, it's just, it's beautiful. Um, and by the end of it, you're like, Root, like rooting for these these people that at the start you were like ugh even Patty he doesn't want to watch I finished it without him and he was like no nah, I don't I don't really want to watch the last season because I just I, I just don't want them to get all their money back and then leave everybody and I was like <laughs> oh sweetie have you not learned anything from this show that's not gonna happen <laughs> like, like come on you they wouldn't do that yeah. so um, yeah it's just yeah. absolutely amazing this world that they create um, and I absolutely recommend everyone to watch it they're, they're like. 20, 25 minute episodes, I think, by memory. Not even sometimes, um, yeah, they're about that. Not even, yeah. and it's six seasons. They decided to cut, stop it at six. They didn't push it, which I really respect because they absolutely could have, I think, pushed it until it wasn't, you know, what they do with, like, lots of shows. Um, yeah, it's just amazing, and thank you to everybody that recommended it to me. Um, my friend Haley has been telling me to watch it saying, you'll love it. You'll love it. I'm like, I know I will. I know I will. I just haven't watched it. <laughs> and then like halfway through the season, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. It took me this long. And she's like, I'm so glad you're watching it. Cause it means so much to me. Yeah. And I was like, I yeah. don't really understand what you mean by that. That's a really <laughs> full on thing to say about a TV show. And now I can tell you it means a lot to me. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. so you should watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, it's a pretty easy watch as well. That helps like as much as it, it makes you feel the feels and the emotions. It's also really light mm. um, and really easy to watch and very funny. Yeah. Um, so great job, Levy family, mm. I have to say. Yeah. And there's a great episode where they do a production of Cabaret and it's amazing. That was very good. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a thing happening at the moment. Like um, in, um, uh, in Australia here on uh, Mad as Hell... Uh, Francis mm. Greenslate and his son um, are now working together on Mad as Hell. So it's it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a common thing now. The comedy, um, you know, multi generational uh, uh, yeah. legacies are, are carrying on. So it happens with yeah. you know the the Levy um, uh, legacy and. Um, and, and with with Shit Creek, which I've heard nothing but amazing things about, and it does yeah. have that, yeah, it's become a part of you know the zeitgeist, you know, memes and yep. all that type of stuff. And yeah. it's, I'm looking very much not even on the outside. I'm sort of like you know, this is you know Earth Shit Creek, and I'm at um, Pluto, going, oh, there's something happening over there that everyone's really enjoying. <laughs> Something's happening over there. Yeah. yeah, and you can feel like they. Um, 
I was reading a few things about like certain storylines they took, you know, the cabaret episode because um, the actress that plays Stevie has always wanted to play um, mm. Sally Bowles. Yeah. So they were like, all right, well, we wanted to write a musical episode. She wants to do it. Let's do it. Um, the guy, the actor who plays Patrick is a musician. So they made sure that he got a chance to show that talent, like really using the talents that were already there in those performers um, and nurturing them. And then therefore those performers have this connection to the show that after six years, they're like, I don't like, I don't want to leave. It's just this beautiful, oh, lots of tears on set and in front of the TV. <laughs> yeah. I was saying that Avenue five is in my top three. This is also in the top three and higher. Uh, so it's fantastic. And everyone year. should watch it. Yeah. 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 It's, cool. it's, it's so good. I just am bummed that it took me this long, but I'm going to, going to go straight back and rewatch it again. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Straight back to the start. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's what we've been consuming lately. Um, that brings us to the main part of our episode today. It's nice to have a main part again, um, where we, where we look at something and we delve deep, deeper into something. Remember the days when we deeper, used to do deeper. news as well? Those, epi- oh, God. Those, used to, those episodes used to go for like seven hours. That was so long. How did we, oh, we still managed to keep them under two. I don't know how we did it. Uh, I think I just cut a lot. Ah, uh, Sandro, you should see the floor of the editing room. So, yeah, those. you, you saved, saved a lot for the, for the outtakes at the end. Oh, yeah. We used to Sandro's house is actually fun. built off of um, every, all the cuttings yeah. um, from those episodes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, Sandro, did you, just want, did you want to uh, guide us through our review? I, I can, yes, I can, I can certainly do that. Guide us through the quantum tunnel of time <laughs> and space for this week. So, Bill and Ted face the music. It's the third Bill and Ted film. It's out on VOD at the moment very quickly. Uh, what what do they mean to you? What did you think? What was your first exposure to Bill and Ted? I'll start off with Rob. What's your history well, with this franchise? Being the old bastard, cranky old bastard of the group, um, uh, you know, I was you know alive and conscious while these uh, were actually out. Um, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey are a big part of my growing up. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out uh, in the greatest year of cinema, 1989. Um, and it really is that... Greatest uh, greatest year of births also, by the way. Yes, yeah. yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey are deceptively smart films they're actually deceptively smart. They play the uh, the dumb card really well, but there is a great intelligence and heart to both films, especially the second one, which didn't work as well uh, at the box office, but it explores a lot of deep issues, goes very surreal, um, and there's some beautiful set pieces that rival like early Tim Burton work and how it's shot mm. and how it deals with things. Um, and created their own mythology, which I really like so much. So just over two films, they created this mythology that has lasted so long that the sheer power of fandom and also the never ending pop culture relevance of Keanu Reeves has um, (laughs) made it come back. So yeah, for me, um, I adore both films, particularly Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I can watch that anytime. It's one excellent. it, It is such a good film. It is such a great film that has no storyline, but it is so good. <laughs> uh, so fun, so tr- so joyous, 
Um, and um, so smart, so smart, how deceptively smart it is. Um, but I, I love them both and I love the energy that they bring into the world and the positivity that they bring into the universe. So I was so excited for this to happen. That's my uh, connection with with uh, Bill and Ted. Mm. What about you, Spears? Yeah, before I do it, just to um, comment on what you mentioned, Rob, about them being smart, that's literally uh re-watching the first one like 10 minutes in not even I paused it and I turned to Patty and I was like I forgot how well they portray these two seemingly dopey you know mm. LA dudes are really really smart like smart in not in not like a booky way in like just like a I don't know I was like it's it's just that heart and that yeah. joy and it like I'm like they're clever anyway I remember just being like pausing it and like going, huh, already five minutes in, I'm like, this is smart. Um, I saw Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure for the first time not long ago, maybe five, within five years wow, or so. Wow, okay. Um, and hadn't seen it since. Um, and then rewatched it on the weekend and I watched Bogus Journey for the first time this weekend. Um, I loved Excellent Adventure. Again, it's just fun. Like it's such a simple storyline, got to go back in time to find out about history so that we can, you know, with the added little, like, we also end up being really awesome in the future and changing the world and all that. Yeah. Um, just so fun, really fun. I laugh out loud. I don't laugh out loud when I watch things on my own or even just with Patty in the house. I don't laugh out loud all that much. Um, I was, like, laughing out loud and doing the thing where you laugh and, like, repeat the line again so that you, like, are, like, exaggerate, like, you know, where it's something so funny that you have to repeat it out loud to the person that's in another room. Um, so, yeah, really, really fun. Bogus Journey, um, again, watched it for the first time. Didn't love it as much, but um, even though I have, doesn't, don't have that deep nostalgic kind of connection like Rob, the energy that you get from the fandom around the new movie, like I, was, I got swept up in that. Um, so despite having not seen the films all that many times, um, I still felt like, I was like, I was really excited for this film because I knew what it meant to the fandom, basically. Yeah, yeah, we have been hanging out for this. We have been literally for decades. And I, everyone loves Keanu Reeves, so I was like, "Fuck yeah, Keanu's doing another Bill and Ted." Yeah, so not like a huge connection, but a fairly recent one, but still nonetheless a strong one for me. Hmm. Sandra. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty similar. I don't have that much nostalgia for these. I watched these very late. I think I was probably 17 or 18 when I saw them for the first time. And I re remembered the first time I saw Excellent Adventure, I was just like, wow, I should have watched this when I was younger because I would have thought this is the best thing ever. And Same. it would like it would be something I would rewatch yearly. Uh, I yep. love them. I think they're amazing. The thing that always amazes me, though, is that, yeah, like Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves are phenomenal in these roles. They're phenomenal as these, as these characters, but it's not their characters. They were told how to do this by the the creators of the characters who created yeah. these characters for a sketch show. It's like it's kind of amazing that that works. Well, these characters were created by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, and they cr started as an improv creation for a sketch show, and yeah, mm. and they turned it into the film. And um, I shared a a. a interview link with Jen and Sandro from uh, Stephen Colbert's show where they get interviewed and they talk about 
how they first met. Mm. And it's the big thing that everyone talks about going, are you friends in real life? And they both went, <laughs> yes way! Um, and they were so excited to talk about the There's fact... that joy again. Yeah, that yeah. they both love, you know, they both... You know, love music. They both love motorbikes. They both love, you know, and they met at the audition and they became friends and they just stayed friends. You know, they're not like seeing each other all the time, but they're constantly keeping in touch and they're and they're good buds. Whereas, you know, Keanu Reeves has become, you know, pop culture icon for, as Neo. And then, well, Keanu Reeves has gone. Oh no, he's now John Wick. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that that bond that they have and it's weird that you know because you know chris and ed had that bond that created them as a sketch character and then they found these two guys who created that exact same bond and it wouldn't yeah. have worked if they did not have that bond you can just see that mm, um, yeah. in how they play it but yeah on the, the rewatch i really like them both i think i like them equally but i'm I, i'm not sure because like in the first one, there's a lid, there's a couple stuff with the princesses where I'm like, oh, that hasn't aged well. And then in the second yeah. one, there's everything with station where I'm like, yeah. it feels like that was created for a comic book tie-in, and I need backstory on this. Mm. But aside from <laughs> that, I think they're both fantastic. And I was so <laughs> excited for the third one, and I guess we should jump into it. Well, can, yeah. before I just want to mention, like the the first the first two films but especially the first one the soundtrack is kick ass because it oh, yeah. it came out at the the tail end of the 80s so it's the final the fi- the final death throes of that whole 80s rock era it's sort of like the death knell of your your iron maiden your van halen your poison your guns and roses and it's just before the dawn of the grunge era, the grunge era of mm. around about 91, 92. That's when everything became grunge and just changed the shape of music. So it's this kind of, you know, pleasant, almost nostalgic view that was captured in this late 80s era. And it's still even more so now that music has evolved so much what with, you know, with with hip hop, R&B, grunge, techno, all that type of stuff. It's this little pocket of mythology of, you know, remember the time when 80s rock and roll was this powerful force but the soundtrack is great you've got incredible songs like that opening sequence is still one of my favorite having you know big pig uh you know breakaway which is an incredible start to the film um of course the late great george carlin's in there but you've got like you've got extreme in there you've got all these incredible songs that just yeah are so great to listen to and rock along and then of course in bogus journey you have (laughs) You've got Kiss, who decided to release an album with no makeup. Oh, good on mm. them. But you know, God gave rock and roll to you is a great way to finish off that, which is a you know a highlight. So I just wanted to talk about the music in particular, which is a good a good segue into the and and the nod to music. Uh, performers are in there like in the first film you've got um Joan of Arc was um was one of the original members of the Go-Go's um you've got Faith No More uh, guitarist yeah. in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Bogus Journey you've got um you know, musicians filtered all the way through um uh all these all the all these films um and so it's great that they carried on with that tradition here in uh, Face of the Music Segway got, um, Segway yeah Taj Mahal plays the gatekeeper of heaven <laughs> he's a great uh great former musician yes yeah yes it does it's a great segue mm. yeah good one Rob yeah Bill and Ted Face the Music here we go it is written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon directed by Dean Parasot he's most famous of 
Galaxy Quest. And Red 2, but we won't mention that. Galaxy Quest, yes, of course. <laughs> Galaxy Quest, yes, let's talk about his great film. <laughs> uh, and it's currently doing really well. Obviously, the box office isn't really um, too much to say because, you know, the box office is there dead at the moment. Box. But it is making money, and that's good. It's getting all the reviews. People like it. I'm very glad. What did you think of this, Jen? I had a great time. Um, I did... It was, yeah, it was really fun. I loved that it was focused on, I really enjoyed that it was focused on the music as a, in a way. Like the first film was kind of like all about them and and history. And then episode, uh, second film felt very like them are looking at them as characters and their, and their history mm. and, and, you know, looking into themselves. And then this one was about the music, yeah. um, which was cool. I did like a few minutes in when they first, you know, got their visit from the future and I was like, oh, Oh, it's, it's going to be about about them changing the future again. Oh, we're doing that again. Uh, bugger! And I was like, well, of course it is. It's Bill and Ted. Like, that, that's what it is. And then once I kind of just like lent into it, I was like, um, and once they pretty much told me in no less words, things don't always make sense till the end of the story. I was like, okay, stop asking questions and just enjoy it because I tend to do that, especially when it comes to time travel. I've talked about it before. I don't love it. I get very confused. But once I was like, you know what? It's a Bill and Ted film. It may not make sense. Like, it's cool. Um, I enjoyed it much more. And um, I thought all the... It was just so nice to see them together. Like, that was the main thing. Every time they did a little, like, gesture or... um, I remember when they first get into the phone booth and they said something. I said, needs to be a guitar lick here. And they went... And I was like, oh, my God. Like, there it is. And Patty's like, yeah, okay. Like, calm down. Um, So I had... Yeah, I I had a really good time. Rob? Yeah, I just uh, I I just loved it. I was a bit yeah. I was a bit worried because what I love so much about the first two is especially Keanu's performance. Keanu is mm. so his Ted is so happy and so joyous and so Absolutely. his expressions are so big and so over the top and you know he kind of he has that beaten out of him when he became Keanu Reeves the the um the John, yeah, yeah, the the merchandise yeah. or the you know the 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 symbol, you know, and of course he had rather appalling performances in Dracula and um, mm. Much Ado About Nothing, but um, he became more of this, you know, he kind of tied down by his legacy, um, yeah, and he kind of lost a bit of that joy. So, but then the joy, but yeah. but. I was so I was a bit worried in what I saw from trailers. I you know Alex Winter was very much playing you know, Bill as he normally would with that earnestness, but a bit of, you know, spring in his step. But Keanu was very dour and I'm there going, oh no, that's not what Ted is. But then after you watch the film and they've talked about it in reviews, I've gone, you understand. they're the exact same characters, but they are 30 years old. Yeah. yeah. And there were moments, there were little moments where, you know, you know, you know, like there's a famous, there's a great scene where they're doing couples counseling and it's <laughs> both couples having counseling, which I think is hilarious. And there's just Very this sweet. moment where he goes, Could you turn your wife? And, and Keanu just has this smile, goes, Oh, yeah, okay. And turns and went, There, it is there. And it's there all yeah, the yeah. way through. It, Always looking back at Bill, yeah. And just how game, yeah, you know, I guess. You know, any other actor, you'd go, Yeah, of course they're going to do that. That's what, the, that's what your job is. But because Keanu Reeves has set this, benchmark for who he is on screen to see how game he was to look ridiculous especially when Mm. they do the alternate realities and they get more and more crazy to the point where they see each other in like 20 years and they're like buffed up in prison (laughs) 
That was fun. Um, yeah, I yeah. just went. I love how they leaned into that, and but of course, of course, he would. He's 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 an actor, you know. Mm. I um I tried to avoid all trailers. I saw the opening of the yeah. second trailer, which was the couple's therapy part, and that was all I needed. I went, oh okay, yes. I was a little yeah. worried about Keanu and his his voice in particular, which has de- deepened a lot. It's very gravelly. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, I, I, I don't know how it's going to work. I saw yeah. 20 seconds of that and went, I'm sold. I don't need to watch anymore. I'm so excited. Love it. Um, yeah. I think just in general, I was a little scared that it would be something kind of like Zoolander 2. It would be like, mm. hey, look at this. You remember this and this and yeah. all these things? And it's not that at all. No. It's... Yeah. It's it's its own story. It feels like the end of a trilogy. It's it's so well written and just joyous and fun, and I want to rewatch it as soon as possible. Like I I, yeah. I, I, I had so much fun with this one. What I love about yeah. the Bill and Ted films is they they are like the Pied Pipers of incredible ensembles. Like that first film, you have them up front and you've got these wonderful interpretations of people from history, you know. Mm. Like one of my favourite scenes is when they arrive back at the house and Missy's there cleaning and they welcome them out and they just go, here's um, <laughs> Dave Beethoven, Maxine of Arc, Bob Genghis Khan, one of my favorite <laughs> AKAs ever, Bob Genghis Khan, you know, uh, Socrates Johnson, William the Kid, and uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln, and all the actors from, you know, um, oh, what was his name, Tony Camilleri, the Aussie actor who played um, Napoleon, all the guys do, su- <laughs> you know, do such great job as all those figures from history, but they're kind of like this ensemble led yeah. by led by Bill and Ted. And in the next one as well, yeah. they create this great ensemble around them with Station, with um, the uh, the good robot Usses, with, um, with uh, William Sander as the Grim Reaper, who is yeah. friggin' amazing. It's incredible. Uh, and, and they do that again here, and they build up this great ensemble of not only bringing the Grim Reaper back, but bringing up these wonderful musicians from history. Mm. Plus, you've got the the uh, the daughters. Ed and Chris know what they're doing, so they go, "Let's mm. do the exact same thing, but bigger." And thirty years later, yeah. have those leads with the ensemble behind them. Yeah, I think the fact that I had rewatched and one and watched two for the first time, but the time I saw this one, I did have that moment of, I feel like I've just what what I'm about to watch, I've just watched already twice this weekend. But then, like you said, it is the same thing, but it's done so well and slightly differently that and that it just feels like a bookend, like the ending of a trilogy. Like, mm. I don't know why I expected anything else um, because it was, yeah, it's what, it, yeah. what, it's what the story needed. It, yeah, it really yeah. did. And it, it, it was comforting and it was, mm. it was joy. Comforting's a great way to go. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, you know, they, they had all the highs of the second one at the end, but then they kind of sl- slumped down, but there's still this, energy and positivity there's still room for them to learn um the the state the stakes were just infinitely higher they were so much higher so much (laughs) higher that it didn't really make sense but who cares who cares exactly exactly um (laughs) and uh yeah and and we haven't even talked about uh uh 
you know, is that kind of a spoiler if I say it now? Um, uh, I don't know what you're about to say. Feel uh, like they're in the poster. It's, it's okay. Yeah, it's the um, <laughs> it, it, the passing on of the torch, and it's done yeah. so beautifully. It's sort of like it's not even a case of you know go you're you know kind of like what they. And I know I harp on it a lot, and you can tell me to shut up, but it's kind of like they. <laughs> In this new Star Wars trilogy, they push, these are the new characters, like them, here yeah. they are. This is a good balance of going, here are your new characters, this is the new generation. Bill and Ted hand it over to them so Deal with them. <laughs> so beautifully, but there's yeah. also that case of, but that doesn't diminish our impact and we're still here as well. It's a beautiful balance of going, these guys are the future and this is what, you know, they're going to lead forward, but our we're still important here. They, yeah. they did that really, really well. Hi, it's me, just popping in to say we didn't really give a proper spoiler warning in this review and spoilers start right now. You can jump in the episode description to see the time code for when the spoilers stop being spoiled. And I don't know about you, the spoilers are out now. (laughs) Speaking of comforting, there is nothing more comforting than the thought in my head that there is a future where Bill and Ted are in an old folks home together (laughs) with their wives sleeping in the same beds next to each other and still (laughs) rocking out on guitar. Oh my gosh. That is the, like the post credits with their little arthritic hands. Oh my God. The post credit scene is, it just keeps on going. And I'm just there going, (laughs) this could go on for 20 minutes and I don't care. This, it was just so beautifully done. Uh, yeah, that was, that was so good. And I've and I've bagged out I've bagged out Keanu Reeves acting for quite some time in this podcast, but his acting as old man Ted was wonderful. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean Alex Winter is a great is great, such a charismatic actor and a beautiful, you know, presence. To me, Alex Winter it was almost like he's just been chilling waiting for this film. <laughs> Like he's never, (laughs) I haven't actually, it doesn't help that I haven't seen him in anything else, but like he just is built. Like he just fell into the role. Like not saying that Keanu didn't, wasn't amazing as well, but he just seemed to just like sit back and go, here we are again. Let's do this. Like Mm. just. Well, it's, it's it's an interesting dynamic because in the first two films, uh, you know, Bill is very much the leader. He's there going, okay, we've got yeah. to do this. Come on, Bill. Yeah. Come on, Ted. You've got to focus. And Ted's always just very reactionary. Go, okay, we'll go along, go along. And Bill's always yeah. leading things forward in, in the yeah. first two films. So it's very much yeah. mirrors reality. Um, yeah, Alex Winter's there going, all right, yeah. you just go off. Let's do it, let's do it. Let's you go off yeah. and do your things. You be a superstar. It's okay. When it comes, <laughs> I'll okay. I'll be here. Yep. And so you just come in, Keanu, you do your thing, and I'll just, you know, I'll guide you through. It, it was a, It's a beautiful <laughs> reflection of yeah. reality and the characters they play. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like um, Winter's has just worn that crop top ever since the first <laughs> film and never taken it off and just like mm. sleeps with it at night just waiting for this moment and it's so nice to see that I was a little bit yeah. disappointed that he didn't have the crop top in you know, agreed. Yeah. agreed and also yeah. I was hoping that Keanu would be in shorts for the whole thing but that's just me yeah. they're fathers now they can't be doing that <laughs> fathers can't wear shorts <laughs> I was going to say it's actually the opposite but yeah yeah, yeah, I'm really glad that Alex Winter is in this because I just like I like him in those two films so much. I 
I like him in Freaked. I think Freaked is a good movie. That film he directed where Keanu Reeves plays a dog. I think that film's <laughs> oh, really fun. I, I, I don't think it ever got released and it's almost impossible to find. I think it just got a Blu-ray release like a month ago. Um, but it's really fun he, if you he, haven't seen it, check out. He but. done more directional than than performing, Alex Winter. I don't yeah, know much after about him. Yeah, Freaked, which was a movie he did, kind of like an MTV movie, very mm. uh, like metal and music-based, a lot of... Body horror <laughs> sort of stuff. Yeah, he went off and directed. Gross. I think he d- directed um, the Ben Ten live action movies for Cartoon. Network. I love Ben Ten. Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah. into it. I'm into it. So he directed <laughs> those two and has just been doing like TV and stuff since then. Okay. Um, but so he's been lying in wait. Yes, basically what you're <laughs> yeah. saying. And <laughs> for his moment, he seems so happy to be a part of this, and I'm so glad it got yeah. to happen for him because yeah, just awesome. the joy he has on screen is like, oh, good, it happened. You're back. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we um, a part of that ensemble. There's some really great stuff. Like Christian, Christian Snell is really good as Kelly, the daughter of Rufus. Um, it you know we she was born to play that role. Yeah, and she like I was a bit I was I was kind of hoping because I knew that George Carlin's daughter, who's a writer and a comedian, was in the film. So I was kind of hoping that she would play Rufus's daughter, but she only has a minor yeah. role in the background. But Christian yeah. Stell is incredible. And as soon as she walks out and she says, Greeting, my excellent friends, I went, I'm sold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been so wanted to meet you my whole life. <laughs> I'm like, ah! <laughs> um she was fantastic. I love the introduction and I hope they would have developed it more. So I part of me is hoping for you know a fourth one so we can see more of Dennis Caleb McCoy. I was about to ask what you guys thought of Dennis Caleb McCoy. <laughs> Dennis Caleb McCoy. Um, my, uh, my name. My name is Dennis Caleb McCoy. It, you uh, didn't catch that. It, it is a slow you burn. Liked. It's a. Sl- I, I liked it. It's I a thought, slow burn. I was. A sl- it was a slow burn because he does. He's just like the menacing figure. But as he's soon as soon as he accidentally destroys and you know <laughs> kills. Um, uh, Ted's Everybody. dad. He just goes, oh. And the SWAT car, RIP SWAT car. RIP SWAT car, <laughs> which is Patty there. turned to me it. and went, the SWAT car's going to hell as well. It's so cute. Um, uh, he, from, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, he's played by Anthony Carrigan, who is Victor Zaz in Gotham, but he plays uh, this well. character called Hank in Bill Hader's Barry. TV show Barry, Barry yeah. and he's like, mm-hmm. like I think he's the funniest part of that show, even though like Bill Hader's in it. He is amazing, and as soon as he showed up, I went, "Is that? It is. I am so ready for whatever happens because I'm such a big fan of him." He reminded me a bit his in terms of his character, his function after after he goes from bad to. Uh, becoming Dennis <laughs> Caleb Coy. He reminded me a bit of Napoleon in the first film. Yes. The kind of like yeah. annoying little tap. He fucking is my favourite character in that film. Yeah. Him at the water park <laughs> could watch a million times. It is see-through. Anyway, um, it was that kind of vibe that like pushing this little girl along and I'm like, oh, God. Anyway, um, that kind of vibe that like annoying little brother, girl, like uh, you're becoming an inconvenience and I kind of, like I liked that. Oh, the, that. the the interplay yeah. with him and Death when he's there going is <laughs> just great. Go, I can do I can I can do I can do something. I can dance. Yeah. You can dance. We'll make go dance over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was the line? It was like uh, I really liked it when you said "rock on" because it made me feel like I wanted to rock. On. <laughs> I wanted to rock on. He's like, you can't just. You have to earn the rock on. That's right. <laughs> Beautiful, like not a lot of lines, but they were gold. Yeah, yeah so I really, it really. It wasn't until that character. moment, like he's just there going, um, he's just you know just playing the evil, and then with that moment on a dime, he just went, 
and he just eased himself into it and it was just yeah it was it was a masterful piece of comedic acting just to see very the long mm. game yeah, um, yeah yeah he's excellent uh, I think we should talk about the daughters now. Yes. Thea and Billy. Uh, Thea, which is Bill's daughter, is played by Samara Weaving, who has been in so much recently. I have seen her in like every tenth movie I've watched recently. She's. I realised halfway through she was in that um, uh, Ready or Not movie. That's yeah, right. she's yeah. in. Yeah, yeah the uh, hard comedy horror, I guess you'd say, film Ready or Not from from last year, which is a lot comedy of fun. horror is right. Yeah, uh, she's, she's in Ryan Murphy's Hollywood TV show on Netflix. She's also in Guns <sighs> Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe, which was also a lot of fun. Where she plays a yeah, she's doing a lot pretty uh, badass character, and badass. she's great in this. She's I thought she was very fun, not as ridiculous as as the performance we get for. Ted's daughter, but uh, I think she brought. Yeah, um, she wasn't as um. Uh, not that it's a bad thing that um Billy was sort of a like a, a carbon copy of Ted, mm. but Thea was she was Bill, but she was a her own version of Bill. But I guess Bill's character isn't hasn't got quite as many like obvious um uh, mannerisms as Ted, so it's a little easier to do that. Yeah. Um, but she was very much like a. Um, she was her own version of Bill. Yeah, she had she had yeah. that wide-eyed type of, all right, yeah, okay, that wide-eyed sincerity, um, and she didn't lean heavily into um, uh, the full mannerisms of uh, Bill, but Bill's mannerisms were not as, you know, were a lot, you know, if I can use the word subtle in a Bill and Ted <laughs> performance. Everyone knows Ted with the arm out and the one on the chest and the hair and always seems to be, like, out of breath. Yeah. Like, I noticed in one of the scenes um, that uh, Bridget Lundy-Payne, who plays Billy, the, like, high in the chest, um, like, always, like, super up here. And I was like, ah, oh, they've nailed that. And shrugging of the shoulders and that whole mm. shoulders type of and head tilt and shrug type of thing, which is so Keanu. Yeah. So I think Bridget had a, almost a harder job Yeah. to try and because Ted has those really memorable mannerisms. And so they just, they had, a, yeah, so much more to, I don't know, people I think would have been harder on Bridget for their performance as opposed to Samara for her her bill. I, I say her bill because they're basically carbon copies of their fathers. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but they nailed it, man. Yeah. And, oh. and, and can I just say Bridget... Bridget was in shorts, so good on you. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and Billy, Billy's opening line, um, like, Billy had been, they, the daughters had been in the background of that first scene and you could kind of see them rocking out and you were like, okay, 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 I'm vibing this. And then the performance finishes and Billy comes up and says, that theremin solo was most luminous. And Patty and I were like, you got me, you got me. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, and how, and how the two of them, they were the ones who were able to, you know, soothe the savage death who, um, yes. for those of you that you know don't know, um, there's a big bust up because at the end of the second film, death becomes the bass player for Wild Stallions, but there's a bit of a bust up and so there's a bit of tension between... the fame go to his head. Yeah. So to have, um, so to have Billy <laughs> and Thea, you know, talk about that, you know, the particular riffs 
in a 40-minute bass solo. Um, yeah. Uh, that was a financial disaster, but, you know, um, they they found some quite triumphant um, licks within that, <laughs> which was, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was nice to see them, um, their eagerness to help, but not quite getting it the first couple times. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, their journey in this is to recruit um, the band members. So we see them trying to recruit um, Jimi Hendrix and, and Louis Armstrong and just gone, oh, cool. Well, he really is inspired by Louis Armstrong, so we'll bring Louis Armstrong in. And then, of course, he's like, well, Louis Armstrong would have been, he's like 65. And they're like, oh, we, sh- we, know- we should have bought older Louis. Like just the classic, it reminded me of the first film where it's like, oh, we didn't, Okay, that didn't quite work. We're, that's, we're really dumb, but it was a really smart idea, but we're really stupid. Yeah. So um, that, like, beautiful, like, great idea, but not quite right, but, but you'll try again. Um, so that was really sweet, having their sort of separate journeys um, parallel to each other and sort of, yeah, it was, yeah, really cool. I yeah. really liked the daughters. I was really worried um, that we were just going to get two, two people playing Bill and Ted, but but as their daughters and I was a bit worried, but um, I was very impressed. Yeah. No, they did, they did yeah, it very, very well. They were, they're beautiful actors. They're very good actors and, um, yeah. and gave the right. Has, I haven't seen Bridget, has Bridget Lundy Payne done anything else? I haven't uh, seen They are else. in a show called Atypical on Netflix, which is a uh, sitcom about yeah. uh, an autistic uh, teenager going to college for the first time. Okay. I haven't watched that because I have read a lot of, it's uh, not great stuff it, about it. Yeah, it started off a little rough. It got better. I've kind of stuck with it, and um, I think the final season's out next year. I mainly just watch it for Bridget's performance. Yeah. Bridget's also in Bombshell, which I haven't seen. Oh, right. Yeah, with Margot Robbie. The movie Bombshell. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So kind of a break in terms of feature film. Yeah. yeah. Debut. Yeah, cool. I think so. I think they'll go a long way after this, because fuck. Nailed it. There are some great returns in this. That, like, it's so great to have William Sander back, Sanders back as um, the Grim Reaper. Mm. Accent is incredible. It's, <laughs> and just <laughs> I can listen to Death speak. If Death speaks like that, I'll be like, I'm coming with you right now, buddy. Like, if the real Grim Reaper spoke like that, it's I could listen to him speak for hours. Re- just... Rewatching rewatching Bogus Journey made me forget how funny he is in oh. that. You know, just when he's. <laughs> He has like playing battleship, playing battleship and doing Twister, and um and and they have to dress up to get into heaven, and so <laughs> yeah. Death is there in the in the in the lady's hat pinafore. and apron, the pinafore, yeah. and speaking in the hype. Every rose has its thorn, and yeah. then he comes back and goes, "They so malvin me." Um, so good, yeah. so good. Yeah. And then he does the rap. You know, you even if you're a, or a clean sweeper, you would have to face the reaper. Um, but still, yeah. like no time has passed. Just perfectly in sync and plays off well with um, Dennis Caleb. Obviously, we've got the return. I was so impressed that Amy Stolch came back as Missy. I was so surprised she came back. I had to like double check. I had to Google her to make sure it was the same actress. It was so yeah. good. Yeah, oh, it was a yeah. different actor playing Deacon. I did like the fact that she ended up marrying Ted's yeah. younger brother, Deacon, which I found hilarious. Uh, and yeah. and um, uh, Hal Landon Jr. as um, uh, Ted's father came back as well, which was wonderful. Which is really good. That moment that they, they confront each other, confront, they meet in hell. Oh. Spoilers. And he goes, I believe you now. You did go back into history and you did do, go forward in time and you did do this and you did go to hell. And they're like, and we did this. And he goes, oh, is that part new? <laughs> <He's> <laughs> yeah. like, 
the dad who's really trying to understand and like acknowledge you and then you go oh you forgot this and they're like oh, oh right. god yeah. this is so hard to keep up <laughs> that was great uh, really good and, stuff. Cha- so and good. to change the course of the universe or whatever it is and he's like mm. is that a new thing <laughs> and um yeah, he's yeah. great and another uh, and a lovely little nod to uh, George Carlin in there. Um, it's interesting. Like we talk, I talked about Cobra Kai with the the you know the legacy left by Pat Morita, who obviously had a more prominent role in the Karate Kid films than George Carlin did uh, in the Bill and Ted films. But he was more like the spiritual animal of it to get mm. someone like George Carlin, who was such a big name on the stand up scene for his you know deals with race issues and social commentary issues with his stand-up powerful force in Mm. the world of stand-up to be this like you know mascot for bill and ted's the bill and ted films was always a a very clear sign he was you know he was a very cool person to have in that so he was like the rock and roll version of of of, you know rock star version in stand-up so to have a little nod to him was was quite good even though you know he the shadow he left was was still quite strong, but not as big as say you know a leading character because he just like popped in at the start and the end and went, "You guys are okay. Here you go." Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I re- I really liked Erin Hayes and Jayma Mays as the princesses who I think have mm. been recast for the third time. I'm a big fan of Erin yeah. Hayes from uh, Children's Hospital and Medical Police, and I was a little disappointed that she doesn't really get any jokes or anything to do, but it was good yeah. to see her. So that yeah, was now, the, my only... It's not a criticism, more of an observation, just because they kept all three films are kind of just under 90 minutes, and there's mm. clearly a lot more they could have added on, and one thing that I could see was sacrificed on the cutting room floor was that whole subplot of the princesses going off on their own... Yeah. Adventure because we had Bill and was... Ted on their adventure. We had Thea and Billy on theirs, and I like that idea of all members of the family are off on their own adventures. Yeah, in their own time capsule. I did find that because it was uh, we found out that was happening when they visited themselves in two years' time, and they were told by them their future uses that their wives were going on an adventure. And I actually missed, even though the sub, I actually missed what they said in the jumble of dialogue and so when i was kind of like wait and then they came back to the office and they're like you guys are going to go on this but don't do this because the future you's are going and i was like wait wait what's happening and i mm-hmm. think you're right rob i think a lot of that got edited out potentially and so to, if they fleshed it out I, I don't know it would have been a really cool i get that it got it cut for time but it that was the only moment one of the moments that i was a little bit confused i was like what exactly are they going to do yeah um yeah, it was a shame. It would have been cool because that would have given them more to do as well, the, the mm. actresses um, who are amazing. Yeah. That was one moment that I was kind of like, uh, do we just want them to get rid of them? Like give them something to do during this time? Or yeah. that, Not to compare it again to Star Wars, but it felt like that casino planet sub-story <laughs> yeah. in, um, yeah. in the second yes. one. But, yeah, yeah. It, it did seem like, you know, because they – it's a bold move to go, let's have all the members of the family go off on their own journeys. And then they got to the editing and they went, oh, well, something. one of these threats has go. to go. It's got to be the princesses. And so at the end they come back and go, we tried to find out, you know, an alternative reality where we are happy and this is the one we're happy about. And they're going, if we'd been on that journey that line would have hit a lot more and we kind of yeah. only saw little brief hints of it. So. We only saw them kind of intersecting with each other in yeah. their journeys. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. That brings me to um, my question about or question and observation, like, um, as we know, time travel, love it, don't love it. Um, these movies are about time travel and time and space travel. And I did love that. And when they sort of mentioned that it was about them changing the course of the universe and the course, like basically the, um, what, how did they put it? Literally the balance of the universe. Um, I was like, Whoa, that's big. How the hell are they going to explain this away? And the beauty of it is they didn't. And they were self, they were aware of how big a t- a bigger thing that is, and how other movies have gone wrong with trying to explain it. They just got Kid Cudi to come in and say a few lines that we were all thinking, like, "Oh, um, are we talking about a this kind of relative parallel universe?" Blah, blah 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 blah, and everyone's like, "Wait, what?" And I was like, "Thank you. That's mm. all I needed. I all I needed was for them to be like, we know this doesn't make sense." That's the fun. And I was like, thank you. Because I was worried they were going to try to explain it. And that, and it would have just got bogged down. Yeah, and right, and right at the end, you know, uh, um, whoever's narrating it, I think it's Billy. I think it was Samara. Um, uh, saying, you know, it wasn't what we played that was important. It was the fact that all of us played together. That made it work, yeah. and I went there. That's yeah. a good one. And then it just ended. I couldn't believe it. Just it just it went. did just end, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just no drag out. Just yeah. Went. And that's what they all kind of do. The well, apart from the second one, how it kind of merges into the credits with "God gave rock and roll to you," but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the first one ends with "They do get better." Uh, it just ends, and this one just went. Yep, everything's all right, and everything's good. Okay, end. Yeah, yeah. The one, the one absence I did notice, and I don't know if I did or didn't like it, was in the first two movies. The small moments of like, okay, don't forget when this is done, we're going to go back in and plant this thing here, and so this will happen. <laughs> and there wasn't, and that in itself has you going. But if you went back and did that, then it would have already happened. But if you didn't do it, then you know that classic, mm. you know, well, if it's already happened, like why do you have to go back and do it? For me, um, for me, the whole thing about they're going, we need to go further and further into the future, yeah. and I'm there going, but that future doesn't exist because the planet, is, the universe. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that the whole way through. Well, why are you in jail if the, if you've got if they've got the song? Then why didn't they play the song? Like if you've written the song and it's on this USB, why are you in this retirement home? Like, but that's but then it cuts to Kid Cudi saying something like me- almost meta and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, don't worry about it. Why are you Kid worried Cuddy's about it, Kid Cudi's inclusion Jen? in this movie just baffles me, but... I loved it. Like, I'm a massive <laughs> fan of his, so I'm like, great, yeah, just have him there to, to ask these questions. Is he Station? I think he might be Station. I think Kid Cudi's Station. Oh, well, okay. Well, it does, say, it does that. say that on, like, credits. It does say an incarnation of Station. But this is the thing I'm trying <laughs> to figure out because the the guitarist from, um, <laughs> from Faith No More at the start of Bogus Journey steps out and he calls out, Station! And everyone goes, Station. I'm going, that means something, but I don't know what the fuck it means and I've never <laughs> been able to pick it up in 30 years. I always thought it was just like a... Like, like, almost like rock on, like it's yeah. become like a, like, and Kid, like you said, Rob. I think recently like a battle cry for rock and roll. Yeah, thing, like. and Kid Cudi calls that out at the end, which I think is cool because you know because yeah. I'm an old old man, I have no idea who Kid Cudi is, but he was awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Kid Cudi, he was cool. yeah, he's um 
he caught it. He kind of came out of the w- w- weird auto tune era of Kanye, and he's just taken that and done mm. and done that as his whole thing. Uh, he's pretty. Right. Yeah. He's pretty cool. I I don't don't know why he's not not a part of the song at the end. If you hired Kid Cudi to be a part of the cast and he doesn't say anything, I think in the world of the movie, he's not part of the band. Like they didn't recruit him. He popped up because oh yeah, that's of, right. Because yeah, the, just, um, he, of the time, the universe just... of time, and was all wobbly, and people were showing up where they shouldn't be, and he kind of. He disappeared at the start from his own concert, replaced by um, Jesus. <laughs> and then <laughs> he pops up and he's kind of like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm here now. So they didn't actually recruit him. I did have the same thought, Sandro. But then I went, they didn't recruit him. I mean, yeah, use him, absolutely. But he was like, "My, uh, well, things are settling back, so I've got to go back to where I come from. I was surprised that there were not – I thought there were going to be more superstar – cameos like we had yeah. Dave Grohl Dave Grohl oh. there's Weird Al in the in the yeah Weird well. Al very very briefly Kid Cudi obviously and obviously the actors returning playing characters but I was after Dave Grohl appeared I was like oh we're gonna this is gonna be a revolving door of people being like I want to be in the new Bill and Ted can I be in the new Bill and Ted and I was I'm glad that I was surprised they went more but I was glad they went more well that's mm. yeah and that's that's what they do Bill and Ted in all three films they go we'll have a little bit but they yeah. they won't indulge it, you know. Yeah, it would have been the because ultimate. a lot of lot of movies would have done that. There's a lot yeah, of yeah, those yeah. kind of movies that have that kind of following that are, you know, huge that make a new one and have all these people go. Well, I want to be in it, and so they put them in it, and you're like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, okay, but you're not an actor, so we never get Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen is never in any of the films, which I think is yeah. Actually, they're going. That's really cool. They just you know stuck yeah. to. They were like, no, we don't. They had musos yeah. playing certain roles or playing themselves, um, yep. which I found great. Um, but yeah, yep. they they didn't lean into it hardcore, just be an end to end cavalcade of cameos, so it turned into. And I'm like, sure they could have if they wanted to. Yeah. 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 So I like that restraint that they had. Um, yeah. And and it gave that focus. So I, I like I like that I like the. The, the tribute to Louis Armstrong and, you know, uh, yeah. um, the guy who played him was wonderful. The guy who played Hendrix mm. was really good. I loved, the, you know, um, Mozart's playing his piece and then you hear it on the electric guitar <laughs> and how Mozart gets on really well with the, with, with the, with the, the ancient uh, flautist and they get, they get on really, really well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that, that those those little moments of you know clearly they are big music fans, um, yeah. Ed and Chris, and they they I th- just with all three they get that balance perfect of that yeah. right that right balance of what you know music is and what influence they can have within the the films. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think that might be all. Is there anything else we got? Anything to say about this? Film? I think that's pretty much everything. I think that's probably everything. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I think that that post credits scene I've mentioned it before <laughs> was so joyous. It was such, the, it was so, just like the moment we go, oh, I've got to sit down. Oh, oh, oh. It's, you go, yeah, and, uh, there's there's something infinitely positive um, about and so reassuring about the fact that. There will be a future where Bill and Ted are in an old folks' home together, with their wives <laughs> sleeping in the sa- in the beds next to each other, and whenever they get oh, yeah. whenever they get the urge, they will just get out their guitars and rock. The opening mm. scene and that kind of vibe. I I wonder if maybe I'm making this connection up, but like if Step Brothers was in any way re- uh, inspired by the Bill and Ted films, because 
their little relationship of um, in the movie Step Brothers reminded me of that. Like that opening scene when they're performing at the wedding, this like song reminded me of the scene at Step Brothers when they sing um, uh, Boats and Hose and like Ave Maria or whatever it is they sing at the wedding. Mm. And I was like, that's the same kind of relationship there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that like idea that they will always be together, no matter what they do, and their wives are cool with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they said we love you. I was there. That moment was really beautiful. And there's still room um, for them to learn. So at the end, they knew how to be themselves, but also yeah. you know, together, yeah. but also individuals. I found yeah, yeah. it was um, yeah, it's what I needed right now, and I think it, and that's a yeah. good representation of what everyone needs right now so yeah yeah are we do do we need another complicated christopher nolan film that we need to see on the big screen no do we need to see bill and ted (laughs) yes we do yes we do yeah (laughs) i saw this on the day that it was announced that uh chadwick boseman had passed away and i was really sad all day and then i saw this and it was just like oh yes i i needed this right now because yeah yeah it it is the perfect film for now check it out uh let's give it a rating yeah i give it two thumbs two thumbs up yeah i definitely give it two thumbs up but then i'll also extend my pinky fingers as well and go you know (laughs) (laughs) yes excellent yeah it's two thumbs up for me as well this was this was excellent excellent Uh, totally non-bogus non-bogus non-heinous (laughs) non-bogus yeah (laughs) so that is our review of bill and ted face the music uh and our 50th nerd out episode so thank you so much yeah thank you so much for joining us uh listening in um before we wrap up do you guys have anything you want to plug i always have something to plug well yeah i think i think we should always end the episode (laughs) with going so sandro what do you want to plug what are you plugging sandro i've always got stuff to plug uh (laughs) this week on oldie but a goodie the episode coming out on monday we talk about a movie called The Warrior and the Sorceress, which is this American-Argentinian sword and sorcery film. Incredibly low budget. It stars David Carradine, and it was awful, but also fun. So uh, have a listen to that if you want. And No Doubt Consumed is still going strong uh, as well. The spin-off of this show out every Wednesday. Alrighty, well, thank you, gentlemen, for <laughs> joining me again this week. Um, and for that fun banter. Uh, we'd love to know what you think Uh, we'd love to know what you thought of uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music and the Bill and Ted franchise as well Um, send us a line drop us a line what do we say send us a drop send us a drop (laughs) send us a drop you can email us uh, feedback.nerdout at gmail.com that's feedback.nerdout at gmail.com hit us up on Instagram slide into our DMs shoot us a Facebook message whatever way you want whatever whatever platform you prefer Uh, Until next time, be excellent to each other. And party party on, dudes! And don't forget to nerd out. It was Professor Plum in the cons- <laughs> What the hell was the that? Reaper. Oh, I don't know what accent that was. And they're like, actually, it was prof- it was Colonel Mustard. I said Colonel Mustard. Sorry. No, Just, you know.
Let it keep going. This is great. This is this is this is great. This can this has to be in best fight best four out of seven. This is the outtake <laughs> section, Sandro. This if this is not in the outtake section after the credits, after we hear living in denial, and then it just goes off to you're sunk my best. <laughs> so as Bridget Handley fades out with her singing, we come back in with whatever German European monstrosity of an what accent. What is his accent in it? As the Grim Reaper. <laughs> European of some it's, description, it's isn't it? Some, it's something. They malvin me. Mm. 